OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Uh, welcome everybody for joining us today. And uh, as we uh, as we do, we have um, Ask an Angel, and today we are working with Dennis. So Dennis, before I kind of um, jump in and start shooting out questions, maybe you can give us a quick intro to yourself, uh, who you are, where you're about, where you came from, and what you're doing now, and then we can jump into everything else. Sure, sure. Um, so my name is Dennis Reich. Um, I'm a, a, I live in Sudbury, Ontario, Canada. Um, I'm a physician, entrepreneur, or entrepreneur physician, um, and uh, started graduated in um, in 2000, effectively 1999, and then immediately, you know, went into doing practice. But at the same time, started off uh, with a business. I uh, got that, you know, in my genes from from my, my parents uh, who uh, came from Italy and started up a shoe store. So the entrepreneurialism is right there. So we started a, a, an app that uh, allowed physicians to schedule um, online scheduling and trading. This was bef before the cloud was the cloud. We were basically allowing physicians to trade um, and keeping track of hours and stuff like that, which was a big, a big issue back then. Um, ended up selling that company five years later because we just weren't getting, we weren't getting the traction uh, that we wanted to uh, because we were a bit ahead of the curve. And in healthcare, which, you know, you learn the hard way, that healthcare is way behind on the curve in terms of implementation of technology. So, um, so we, we basically sold that company, you know, basically paid back all the, the investors and ourselves. We didn't make a huge amount of money, but we, we reinvested the money that we, we did get and started another company. Um, with, with the tech folks that we had. Uh, it was called uh, Concept Share. We ended up selling that to Dell Tech um, uh, a number of years later. And then now uh, we've reinvested again uh, in a company called Time Hero, uh, which is a really cool uh, scheduling uh, and uh, all around uh, task management, project management software. That's on the direct kind of, you know, what have I done myself in terms of um, creating uh, companies. And then all throughout that, I, I acted as uh, an investor in other companies, encouraging entrepreneurs. Uh, I act as a mentor in our local regional innovation center here in Sudbury called NORCAT, uh, and uh, eventually culminated to being on the board of the Northern Ontario Angels, which is one of the largest angel groups in, um, in the world, actually, in North America in particular. They're, they're first in deal flow and, and first in, in the, the, uh, the, uh, the amount that's invested. Uh, which is pretty incredible for uh, Northern Ontario um, Angel Fund. So, um, yeah, so I've just always been involved in, in uh, companies and in helping companies, mentoring companies, uh, you know, giving advice where I can. So it's been a, it's been a, it's been a great road and, and, and doing uh, medical stuff in, in that as well, working with, uh, you know, uh, pandemics, H1N1 planning, working with the pandemic planning, the portal. So basically, Back, back in the day, and now with COVID assessment centers, we're, we're, we're heavily involved in that. So it's a lot of fun. And we've got a family, uh, three kids, and uh, living, uh, living in balmy Sudbury. It's finally starting to warm up up here. So I'm, 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 I'm going to enjoy the summer. That's awesome. You almost forgot about the, uh, the real job that you had. You were talking so much about the exciting startups, and you're like, oh, yeah, and I do run a practice. And, uh, but it, it's interesting that when you get into the startup space, how exciting it gets. You're like, 
well, we were made this company, we sold this, and then, oh yeah, I still do this other job, but man, I really yeah. like this time. Yeah, well, that's why I kind of, you know, I said entrepreneur slash uh, physician. I love, I love being a physician. It's great. Um, one of the things that, that I often tell people is like, look, being a physician, it allows me to, to kind of um, help and, uh, and um, be a, an instrument for, for kind of positivity in, you know, perhaps two, 3,000 people's lives. Uh, an entrepreneur, um, you have the ability to kind of affect change globally. Um, so one of the things I started about five years ago uh, was a company called, well, it, it was with a partner who had invented a product. It was a, a polymer resin that absorbs hydrocarbons. So it basically sucks up in water, on the ground, and in the air. So it actually takes ultrafine particulates out of the air. Um, and, uh, and that's been a challenge, but boy, like if you could, if you could take smog out of the air, that's something worth spending a bit of your time on. And, and that's the kind of stuff that just, you know, although I love, me you know, I, I love medicine. I love, I, I, I just get really inspired by, by, by business. Oh, that's amazing. And that, that sounds like a pretty cool product as well. They're working on a bunch of stuff in Calgary, Alberta, where uh, they have these big engines that are sucking in air and cleaning it as well and pushing it out the backside and uh, running it through some tanks. It's pretty sick. Too. That's the CO2 absorption. That's incredible. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. Um, you know, we, what we would do is we would actually remove the ultrafine particulates that would clog up those fans. Yep. So at some point I will give them a call and say, Hey, you know, are you having an issue with this? Because what you want when you're, when you're capturing CO2 is you want just the gases. You don't want any ultrafines. When yep. you burn diesel and, and there's that stuff that you see, that's actually the biggest stuff. The smallest stuff is stuff you can't see. And, and in fact, some of these engines that the government is kind of, you know, suggesting with the tier four, tier five engines, it just chops up those, those little particulates that don't get combusted into CO2 finally, uh, you know, into these small little things that cross the blood brain barrier and they get into your GI system. They cause strokes, they cause heart attacks and GI upset. So we're, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of an educational process and uh, both my front and the government side, but these kinds of things take time. No, for sure. Well, a lot of testing, right? Absolutely. So like you've got this massive passion for entrepreneurship and uh, as a physician and, and helping others, which is amazing. So what, what, was the, what was the driver that got you into investing? Because it is a little bit different from helping, coaching, or working in your practice. Was it the innovation side? Uh, was it just really I wanted to give back? And is there a story there that really triggered it all? Yeah, I think, you know, what was the first? It, it probably was the activated. Well, it, it's been longer than that. You know, at the end of the day, I just get excited about these companies when somebody's telling, like, just like, you know, yourself, you're telling me all the stuff that you're doing. I'm, I'm just intrigued. I'm interested. And just by, by showing interest, by having some, um, some ability to kind of converse on a level that's both scientific, business, uh, personal, you, you tend to get enmeshed in, 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 in that life. And inevitably, you know, one of the challenges these entrepreneurs have is, is financing. Um, so it's not a hard jump to go from mentoring to saying, hey, I'll help you out with, with a little bit of cash and that'll get you over that hump. And then, you know, we can, you know, take this journey together a little bit. And so it's, um, it, that's how it happens. You, you end up just believing in something um, and, uh, and, and wanting to be part of it. That's, that's, that's in a nutshell. And then you learn, uh, you know, there's no textbook on how to be an angel investor or how to be an investor. Uh, you learn 
usually through the school of hard knocks that, you know, sometimes there's, there's, it's, it's the people that you want to make sure you invest in, not the idea uh, that they've got the right um, um, kind of path to success uh, that they don't over there's, there's, there's some of the challenges I've experienced is, is, is people who believe their product is, is worth more than it is. Uh, you know, they got inventoritis. Um, other people who, who um, are way too quick to kind of unload, uh, they basically, you know, you, you get a little bit of challenge and then you're like, somebody offers them something and you're like, they're out. So you don't really uh, capture the, uh, the, the, the real financial benefit at the end. Um, these are all things you learn as, as a mentor, as an investor, um, and, um, that comes with experience, you know, a lot of this gray hair in my head is, is because of that. Like it's, it's, and, and, you know, and, uh, sometimes, you know, family suffers a little bit and you question why, why you're getting involved in so many things. So at the end of the day, you have to choose how many investments you want to make in a year, how much time you want to dedicate to this kind of stuff. Um, and, um, and, but, but again, it's, if, 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 if it makes, if it's, if you're passionate about it, it doesn't take as much energy, right? No, for sure. And, and you mentioned a couple of, uh, well, a lot of great points there. And, and uh, one that I'll, I kind of will jump back into is uh, you talk about a couple of things that really make the entrepreneur and, and make the investment worthwhile. And you, uh, you mentioned that it's about the CEO and then it's also about uh, making sure there's traction. Is there, are there a few other things that you might look at when you're diving into a business and saying, you know what, if, if they got the passion, the CEO's online and they've got the innovation I'm in, or is there something a little bit more to it? Yeah, I think I'd probably add to that, um, it, you know, the market. So you want to make sure that the person, the idea, and the market are all kind of synergistically moving in the right direction. Uh, that said, I, I've seen companies that, that uh, both stuff I've invested in and not invested in where literally just grit, like the CEO grit and that team, that initial uh, founder uh, team, they just plow ahead and even in the, in, in the eye of perhaps some, some really challenging obstacles like competition, you can, you can succeed. And so I don't like, although sometimes, uh, you know, these other things like market and, uh, and the idea matter, what matters the most is, is the people or the person uh, that's going to drive this forward. So gentle probing, sometimes it's some of the questions like, where do you see yourself in a year? Where do you see yourself in five years? You know, if, if they're telling you that they want to buy a, a, a massive yacht in two years, uh, you know, you might gently walk, walk out the door and say goodbye. Um, but, you know, if, if, if they're realistic and they realize that how much time it's going to take, sometimes that's a challenge too. It's like they think, no, no, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to do this two days a week and then I'm good. Uh, that's just not enough. You know, it's, it's, it's a dedication that, that, that you see just by interacting, right? You, you ask those questions. So do I look at a balance sheet and kind of make sure? No, they know that's, Angel investing is not about that. Um, you know, I've seen I've seen uh, people who pretend to be angel investors and treat it like a VC or, or you know, maybe a Series B or later uh, type of thing where they're looking at all these numbers and you're like, what, what are you doing? That's not angel investing, right? Um, and so it's it's a it's a little different. And then sometimes um, you know investors want to really protect their their uh, you know their investments, so they they create these special shares and. They, they want to protect themselves against the next two rounds of, of raise. And inevitably that implodes, right? You, you, you try and protect yourself too much. And the next person says, well, I'm not, I'm not investing unless you, you kind of revert to common shares. So you spend all this energy trying to protect yourself. Um, and that's, that's another kind of thing that, you know, you got to watch for. Um, and then, um, and then sometimes it's, um, 
Uh, anyway, you know, at the end of the day, it's you, you, these are you could just list them forever because there's things that you learn uh, as you go. And that again, all valuable. I like the the watch for side, and you're right. In, when investors come in, they, they sometimes try to take tackle too much inside of this really early stage business instead of just getting behind them and supporting what they're doing. Um, and uh, all of those are valid. And, and you're right. You really do have to spend some time with the CEO to understand how passionate they are. Are they really going to understand this business? Are they going to put in the the regular 40 hour work week, but then are they going to go above and beyond because they really are so passionate about this, that this is, you know, their, their lifeline. They want to make this succeed and they're going to do whatever it takes. And, and those are the, uh, the people that I almost say they're crazy. And I want to find all the crazy people that own companies because they're the ones that will do whatever it takes to move the, the needle every day. And that's the part that gets me excited because they're going to talk to the right people. They're going to find the right sales leads. They're going to do all the things and they're going to come to their mentors and their coaches and they're going to ask the right questions. And if they don't, they're going to, someone's going to ask them the right questions and they're going to figure it out. So uh, it really does uh, a lot of the time come back to that. So in these companies that you're working with and you're, you're diving into and learning a bit about, is there um, on the investment side, do you pick a number of companies you want to invest in per year or do you kind of just go in and ad hoc or do you have a balance and say this year I'm going to fill my healthcare portfolio and next year I'm going to work on ed tech. Like how do you kind of structure that? Yeah. Unfortunately in Sudbury, there's not the, the plethora of, uh, of, opportunities that the probably is that present themselves to you um so typically it's kind of what's what's in the circle and and you know usually you'll see about eight a year ten a year like through the mentorship that i used to do and and, and continue to do my own um you know you'd be presented two or three every you know month maybe quarter so you kind of say are any of these of, of interest to me and and you just pick and choose and then and then the other thing is your 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 capacity right is is your personal capacity is like what time do you have available how mature are the ones you've invested in the past it's kind of like a small version of what you guys are doing you know you've got 16 in your first round that you know okay you take on any more it just becomes too onerous and now you've got to start a new one um the same thing with with individual angel investors like you've got a certain capacity and when you start, it might take one, you know, and then the next year you go, that was kind of fun, you know, and, you know, it's still going on, but I, they don't need me. So I'll take on a couple more. Um, so, you know, in terms of where I stand, you know, I'm probably five or six. Uh, you know, I've got a, I've got a um, extended release cannabis, a CBD uh, investment that I've got, um, you know, the activated white and, and probably about three or four others, the, the electronics that I mentioned with uh, the concussion uh, prevention and rehab and, um, and the stroke rehab, those, yeah. And those are just the top of my head. I've probably got two or three more that you've got, but again, it's about capacity. Yep. And when you look at them, do you, because they are doing reinvestments, are you also looking at, Hey, maybe there's something I need to do here and I'll keep back 30% of, uh, my dollars and throw that into, uh, reinvesting into the companies as well. Or do you kind of just you know what, I've got them off this part. I'm going to help coach, but I'm going to move into this new company. Is there a funnel on how you work that? Yeah, usually, um, yeah, again, I say usually. There's no usually, right? It's about need. It's about, you know, because it's when you sometimes you invest in a company and then they come back six months later and say, I need a little more. You start kind of second guessing about why why it is that, you know, what you your plan that you put them on or kind of suggested or, hoped that they would follow isn't come to fruition they're coming back to again so then it's kind of like 
well, why am I, why am I being asked again? So angel investing sometimes in my mind is like, okay, you're an angel, you're coming in, you're offering finances at a very specific time. And you hope by the time they come back to you that, you know, they've found bigger fish because, you know, one, one, one angel investor. And, and what I'll typically do is I'll bring in three or four of my colleague friends who are angel investors as well. And usually they'll rely a bit on my due diligence. And, and I do tend to go after the medical uh, companies, the kind of things that I know a little bit about. Um, med, medical and, uh, and SaaS uh, software type uh, companies, the ones I kind of, um, kind of focus on. Um, and then most recently I, I did an, an interesting um, energy uh company it's a very early company but very cool it's called sapphire and it's a plasma uh, uh kind of company that has a self-contained uh, plasma uh, technology um so you know it's it's um yeah i think at the end of the day uh you gotta you gotta basically um i'll i'll follow on if if, if i feel that there's a, a real momentum there if they've stalled i'll try and say okay what have, what have we not done what are we what are we missing so it sounds like in this process, when you're you're diving into this early company and figuring out, um, I made an investment. I'm figuring out how to help them. Uh, I may do a reinvestment or not. So you're kind of you're working with them and you're trying to be as close to them as possible. So is there in that next stage of investment, you're you're all in. Uh, is there certain things you look for in the DD side that you want? Is it on the paperwork side? Is it um, different terms? Uh, you, you don't like certain uh, vehicles that they might want to go in on? Like, are there certain things that you try to shape yourself just to make sure that it's comfort for both sides? Because you're coming from a different angle, right? You've been a startup before and yeah. you've companies. So you kind of know the right thing and the wrong things that you want to stick away from. And some of those startups may not know that. So do you really try to take a hold of that and really help them guide them through that? Um, again, it's the maturity of, of the company. Another company I invested in is called uh, Bear Technologies that got some, uh, some technology from uh, Germany, and it's an IIoT play. Um, you know, early on, I had colleagues that said, you know, your, your model, because if you're going to go try and attack the IIoT in the mining sector, you can't go after a, a per-ping licensing model. Like, you, you can't ask a mine to pay for uh, the product once once they've installed it, mines tend to feel like I, I bought the asset, I control it, um, and so you know they took the advice that they follow it not necessarily, but um, you know when the traction wasn't really coming, you're kind of like, well, you know, all you can do is advise, right? And and it, you know what's happened now is they've gone on and taken on massive investment, right? So the due diligence was on a broader sector, for example, IIoT within um, centers of cities like Toronto, for example, right? So now you can start doing things like uh, building monitoring and, and parking stuff. So it's like, it almost, it almost happens on its own. You know, that advice, we're not doing a ton in mining, we're doing a ton in, in, in building management and maintenance, right? But also, the, the, so, so you've trusted those C, the CEO and the team to pivot when it's necessary. Um, and so all you can do is advise, you, you know, otherwise you may as well take on the a hat and, and be, a, be a director or be, you know, one of the C-level suite kind of folks that, that work for the company. Uh, if you become too um, emotionally involved on that level, you burn out way too fast. You, 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 so when you, when you invest in an angel, you kind of hope, you know, because not all of them are going to turn out to be winners. 
and uh, you know the ratios, right? How many you have to invest in before you get a return, and a lot of that is that, right? If if, if um, <laughs> it's crazy because if there was a perfect formula, it would be easy, but it, it's it's really hard. No, it very much is, and the closer you get, the more passionate you get, and. Uh, the more you probably want to, you know, shake your head and think, man, it seems so easy out here. Oh, it's like, hard. It's totally different. So uh, yeah. it's good that there's uh, good people like yourself that are trying to help coach them and use their experience to help them alleviate some of those problems because they do come up too fast and sometimes they don't talk about it enough. And then obviously there can be other catastrophes that occur and then it's too hard to get to catch the company and it's gone, right? So. Absolutely. But again, the, the, the biggest thing that I constantly repeat to these entrepreneurs and to these folks that I'm mentoring and to the investments that I've made is stick with it. You know, like, oh God, like, for example, that very first company that I made that, that did the uh, software for the positions, right? Uh, to me, it made total and utter sense, right? The, even the OMA had sent around people to do a review of companies that had similar technologies and and they said, yeah, yours is perfect. You know, I don't know why they're not using it. And, and it was just so frustrating. And so we sold, right? We sold. Somebody came along and saw the vision. They literally, this was in 2005. It is now 2020. They are still using the same technology without changing a line of code, right? And they've been milking it and slow, not kind of sales activities in it. Like they just, they just kept on building slow clients. And now it's long in the tooth, right? New technologies are coming in. But it, it, it really made me realize like, okay, hang on. Sometimes, you know, you're, you're, you're just a little early to kind of give up on something and it, it, it takes time. And most entrepreneurs do tend to be in that front end of the curve, right? Yeah. That's why, that's why they're, that's why they're entrepreneurs. Uh, so you sometimes got to be patient and, uh, and make sure you don't burn out that, 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 that financing and that capital too quickly, right? You got to really, really build out the product choose when you're going to market it, choose how you're going to market it and be smart about stuff like that. No, I like that. Those are all good. Um, like for the burnout and the capital and managing your deal flow or sorry, managing your burn rate, like just trying to balance everything out, but still being able to knock off product development. And I think the biggest, the biggest piece that I have um, that I push with startups all the time is that you can build the best car, the best boat, the best house, the best everything. But if you can't figure out a way to sell it, you're never going to get rid of it and you're going to be stuck with that piece that you thought was the best because you didn't have a client that was backing you from the beginning. So you really got to take that understanding, get it out to market right away and just take a piece of it. It doesn't have to be the whole thing and just test it and test it again and get 10 more clients and test it with them. And uh, I heard today with, um, I had a pitch that was from, uh, was it Estonia or Russia? I can't remember which one because talking with different ones. And they said, our first five clients, we sold them, lifetime uh, membership into their product. And I was like, oh, never heard that before. That sounds weird. But they paid for it up in advance. So they ended up getting their first clients and their first clients paid for a half a million dollars into their thing, into their platform, but they can use it forever. And I was like, well, that's kind of fascinating because as that company grows, it's going to cost you a lot of money. But right now you need that money and that's helping you grow. So I was like, as much as I think that's odd, I'm like, that's actually not a bad deal. You know, that said, it, kudos to them because how you find a big company that's willing to, uh, to pay up front for a product when it's, it's, it's just starting is, is uh, it's hard. It's hard, you know, right? So well, it's solving a big problem for them. So it, it, it's, it's got to be enough of a problem that they're solving that they're willing to part with that to help that company stay in business, right? Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Did you invest in them? 
<laughs> we just chatted today. It was our first time. So <laughs> Give me their name later. <laughs> we'll see where we go, but it's, uh, it's still pretty fascinating. So Absolutely. Uh, so now you've kind of gone through the DD. You're learning more about this company. You're really enthralled in uh, everything they're doing. You're helping support. Uh, do you lead rounds? Do you try to help lead rounds? Or do you kind of just participate with the groups that you're in to, to help these companies move forward? No, I'll, I'll lead rounds. Um, I'll, I'll try and bring in a bunch of investors. I've done that probably three times. Uh, in the last 10 years. Um, you know, the problem with leading rounds is you're, 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 um, you're leveraging your, your credibility, right? Uh, and your people are coming in um, sometimes large, large amounts. Um, and, uh, and yeah, they're, they're, they're asking you questions. So you always, you always have to say, look, do your own due diligence and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, a lot of the people that do come in after you are, are they get to know you, they, they trust you. And so it's, it's almost like now it's like some of that pressure has come off the, the CEO or the, the, the marketing team, right? Or not the marketing, the, uh, the, the founders. And um, yeah, so I'll do that. Uh, it's, not, it's not something I love. I, it's, uh, it's, I, I'd, I'd much rather be a follower and, and uh, jump on somebody else's work. But, uh, but yeah, well, I'll, I'll do that now and then. It's interesting you say that because the stress of making this investment and then you're investing in everything to do with this company and you're hoping that other people see what you see and the stress of hoping that everybody does follow along or jumps in uh, as a lead, it, it is always very tough. But uh, I've also learned that I, I saw this maybe two years ago in a video and it was um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and it was Fluffy, the comedian. And he said, I went to this uh, Comic-Con just to meet him. And he's got a big lineup to meet Arnold Schwarzenegger. So he's like, I'm waiting in line and this guy's seeing thousands of people. And he's like, I don't know how he does it, but he has this calm demeanor and he's having a conversation with everybody. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And he's like, all he did, he's a handler right behind him. And the handler would basically be counting seconds and he would be like, okay, the conversation's done. And he'd just tap Arnold on the shoulder and Arnold would be like, hey, it was amazing to meet you, shake his hand and the guy would move on. And he's like, I thought that was amazing. Like he never felt anything bad. He just cut the conversation off, reach out to my specialist or do this but he had all the right lines and that person always felt comfortable. So I kind of look at investing in the same space as that I have to move on from the investment. I'm going to support them all the way, but I got to know in my mind that I made the right choice. I got behind them and I can't stop from that. I'm on to the next thing, but that was the right choice. And I got to get people to get behind me on that choice. And then I've got to move on. So I can't uh, get back and fall on the thing and say, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. You really yeah. have to go with the punches and just keep rolling along. I like that a lot, Jeff, and it, it really makes me think about uh, process and and um, how having a good process takes away a lot of the the fatigue and a lot of the uh, the unnecessary energy. So the things that you find as OPN that works, making sure that that becomes part of your process, having that person behind you tapping on the shoulder and going, "Okay, it's you know time to move on." You're like, "Okay, got it," you know. So you're allowed to do what you're good at and allow that process to kind of drive the, the time element of it all, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and it, and it, it does, it, it really helps. And it takes a lot of your head so you don't have to stress about everything. So yeah, yeah, too yeah. much of that we don't need. Uh, <laughs> so, it makes me I, think of, of Time Hero. Did you look at that yet? I, I Actually, I've written it down and I keep pushing the calendar. So tomorrow is my open day, so I'm going to look at it. There tomorrow. you go. Time Hero doesn't let you push things ahead. It does it for you. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm teasing. I it's like good. It. Have a look. I'm going to, I'm going to, because we have a product that I think might fit nicely into that. Uh, so on the, uh, on the investment side, uh, and we just briefly touched to it, 
Do you have any specific terms you like, like preferred shares, common shares? Are you okay with safes? Uh, or do you just kind of go with the flow at that point in time as long as you've got a, a good investment um, uh, cap amount or whatnot, you're okay and you'll just take whatever those are because you know it's going to convert? Yeah. Um, like I just did a safe with that energy company um, and it's at a 20% discount for the next round because they just need to get things fired up again. Uh, it, 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 sometimes it's about... Um, what makes the most sense um, in terms of time, uh, sometimes in terms of money. Some of these investment vehicles can be expensive. you got to get you know, an entire legal firm behind it. Uh, I'm fine with commons, prefers, tends, like, unless, unless there's a real mature model there. Uh, some of these preferred shares, tend to, as I mentioned earlier, tend to complicate future rounds and stuff like that, and everybody always wants to look under the hood. And if you're like, no, we're, just, we're all in common right now, um, you know, so each each case is, is, is unique, and so you try and structure it um, in, in the best way and, and the quickest way possible. No, that's perfect. I, on that side of it, because you do really like to get in with that company and work tight with them, uh, do you take board seats? I do, yeah. Uh, I will take board seats. Um, and again, sometimes that means, you know, you're, you're, you're committing time, right? And so you have to choose when you're doing it. Um, but I'll take board seats. Like I, I'm, I'm on the board of uh, um, MedEx, which is a publicly traded company, right? And I love that. These guys are doing uh, scanning of moles for melanoma, utilizing five different wavelengths of light. So they're looking under the skin two millimeters. And they just, they, they just did a deal in Brazil, uh, some good stuff coming. Uh, so I, I, and, and giving them medical, like, so that would be more of an advisory board role, that one. Um, but yeah, no, I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll take board seats if they make sense. Yeah. No, oh, that's awesome. Uh, is there, while you're kind of, you know, choosing between all these different ways to invest vehicles that, uh, if you're going to be part of the board or advisors, uh, is there, is there a piece where, uh, you say, you know what, it's not about the money. Uh, there's some other things I can do to help you guys. And I don't know if that's introductions or getting them in front of bigger consortiums. Uh, you're in the medical field, so will you bring their product in and test it? Like, are there other things that you can really go above and beyond with and you bring that extra value to the, to the startups you work with? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, you know, I'll advise, um, especially on the medical side, that's, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I'm finding that um, healthcare is, is a bit backwards. Like, everybody always comes in, patients come in and they're like, uh, so can you pull up my... Uh, my lab result that I had done, uh, you know, last week from another doctor. I'm like, no, like, not. like everybody expects everything to be connected today. And, you know, after 15 years of, you know, Canada Health InfoWay, where they're spending a billion dollars a year on connectedness, right? We're just starting to see kind of the, the benefits of, of, of this massive investment. So one of the things I, when, when, and, and I don't want to be negative to people who really want to make a change in healthcare, but you always, you always see those startups like, I'm going to make an EMR, a medical record that everybody uses, right? Or I'm going to put it on this little card that people will carry around with them, or I'll do this and I'm like, like Google tried it as well, right? And they're the biggest company in the world. Like, this is not something that, you know, so you can be entrepreneurial minded, but you're like, you're not going to, you're not going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro tomorrow, right? Like start off with something smaller um, so sometimes the advice is about, you know, okay, let's, let's take a breather. Let's stop. Let's really figure out what, what, what resources you have available to you. Um, 
how hard it is to penetrate some of these markets. Um, and it's not, I don't find it's being negative. I find it's more being realistic, right? And, and, then, and then letting them run because sometimes even though you give them that advice, they're still going to do what they're going to do. I don't choose to invest, obviously, right? But so sometimes it's about deflating the balloon a little bit. Sometimes it's about giving a little bit of a realistic nudge in a certain direction um, and then letting people make their own decisions. So, so sometimes the bad, not bad advice, the negative or the, the more realistic advice of this isn't a good idea uh, is more of a help than cash or time or anything. It's just, it's a really, um, but, and again, it's one person's advice, right? But, um, and, and, you know, you always hear about these people that he said it wouldn't work and, you know, look what I did. And or she said it, didn't, it wouldn't work and look what I did. You know, great. If they can prove me wrong, but you know, that's why, you know, we're older and we have more experience and why you have to listen to mentors. Right? Well, if it takes 12 touch points to close somebody on buying your product, maybe you need to take 12 points of, jabbing them with uh, little hints and information to get them yeah. to uh, convert into your model. So that might be a way to, to get them to move over. But you know, sometimes everybody has their own passions and you can feed it and they can morph it. And hopefully they do morph it because a lot of the times it's uh, too direct and maybe they, they don't see that they're going to fail because uh, they assume everybody wants what they have. And right. realize that the take on that is a thousand times harder. And uh, people all have egos. So you kind of have to figure out how to work with everybody to get into that space, right? Exactly right. Yeah. So in the markets right now, we're all going through COVID. It's been a real crazy uh, last three months. Um, and it seems to be not settling down in any way. Have you seen a change in the investment vehicles of people uh, on your side, uh, more in the north, I guess, and even around here? Are you finding that they're, uh, yourself has shifted? you're pulling back on investments or are you saying, you know what, there's some great opportunities to just keep plowing forward? Um, yeah, I, I think it'd be interesting to know everybody's experience on that one, but I, my own experience is that it's, it's like stalled, right? Like no, nobody knows what the markets are going to do. Um, I'm amazed at, at the tenacity or the, 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 the way that the markets have been able to hold on to what's occurring um, and yet I'm still cautious. Like I'm very, very cautious because, um, it's, it's, it's risky. It's right now the, the, the global economy, everything's happening in the States, uh, COVID. Um, and yet in the last, I'd say three weeks, uh, Jeff, I've seen, uh, things moving, starting to move again. And I don't know what the sentiment is. I don't know when that decision is made to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good to invest, but I'm feeling it too now. I'm feeling more, I'm feeling more optimistic and uh, I'm opening up dialogues about investing again. So it's, it's an interesting thing. Like if, you know, a socioeconomist economist would probably have some, some insights that might say why this happens, um, you know, but I'm still shocked at the, the, uh, the state of the, uh, the, the economy and in, in terms of the, the markets themselves and how they just are resistant to any kind of downward pressure at all. I just, it makes no sense to me, but here we are with, uh, with the market still, still moving. For sure. There's a one, there was one big bang and then the next day everybody was like, what would happen? Uh, it's gone. Oh, yeah, exactly. Gone. That's and then the exactly rest it. of the market's kind of slowed for a little bit and you're right. Everybody's kind of, uh, the pace has really changed. As soon as they opened up the storefronts, the pace just started to pick back up and the, the city's hustling and booming again. Uh, construction's in the way, but everything is, is moving. And I think that's kind of the, the pace is, you know what, man, I took a break and now I need to move forward because I missed what I was doing or whatever it might be, but right. I just get interested. 
Exactly. So, you know, I think we're going to have a great summer. Um, as a physician, I'm a bit concerned about the fall, obviously with, uh, with flu coming and uh, the potential for a second wave. But uh, I think if we, if we keep um, testing and we keep watching and we keep social distancing, uh, we'll get this past us. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people out there who, who, are, who are, you know, believe there's some kind of a, a conspiracy theories out there that, that I try and kind of allay. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're right. Things are moving again. Things are, things are happening. So that's great. Optimistic and energy, man. We all like the good energy. So Absolutely. We're, we're kind of getting down to our last couple of questions. So before I, uh, we jump into crystal ball, uh, the question that I want to throw at you, if you take all the companies that you've invested in, all the companies you've worked with, is there an underlying one or two items or things that really stand out to you? that you would want everybody or every entrepreneur to know that, you know, write this on your wall, envision it, live it, breathe it, push it. This is the thing that's going to help you be successful. Is there something that you can kind of uh, denote as one of those top three things or one thing that you might uh, want to share with the audience? Um, in terms of life lessons, um, I'd say um, grit. So that's the tenacity, the belief in yourself, that get up in the morning and, and get stuff done. Um, talk to people. Don't, don't let tissue paper stop you. You know what I mean? If, if, if um, it's just, it's that grit, right? And then probably on a, on a broader level, you know, things like uh, reading, um, reading a lot, um, broadening your horizons, um, understanding people, you know, um, Dale Carnegie's, you know, winning friends and influencing people, highly recommended book. As an entrepreneur, when you meet people, when you meet uh, mentors, make sure you say to them, um, you know, what book really inspired you? You know what I mean? Um, one of the first books that on entrepreneurialism that I read and I sometimes still recommend to, to entrepreneurs is the E-Myth. You know, these are classics from, you know, and I'm sure you could probably name five or six as well. Um, it's just about learning. So never stop being curious, having grit and, uh, and asking lots of questions. Those are three, three top ones I'd probably throw out there. I like that. hundred uh, percent. Ask a lot of questions. You know, they, they showed that uh, in statistic wise that when you're going through school, the school system is created to funnel you down to be good at one thing, not two, one. And while you're funneling down to learn that, your abilities to ask questions shift. So you go from asking a lot of questions as a kid to asking very few questions. So that by the time you leave university, you're a marketer or you are a business person and your question ability has shifted. So what happens is that your creativity levels drop dramatically. So because you can't envision yourself in other areas because your focus went to one area. That's right. With that creativity level going and your questioning, you're, it slows down so much. So uh, they, they try to say that, you know, people that are in arts tend to have more questions because they're more broad and they're open to do that. Mm. So I think in a way, if you can get people to always think that I got to ask questions about everything, if something doesn't make sense, ask questions, talk about it, do everything you can, because that's what's really important for you not to build, just to build a company, but to associate, communicate and all of those things, ask questions. Uh, and oh. that's a great change. Because That's when you exactly ask a question right. you don't get an answer to, you're going to be like, I'm fixing this. This doesn't make sense. That's, That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Perfect. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's exactly, 
a, a big philosophy and uh, it sounds like it, 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 uh, it reflects back from what you're saying. Exactly. Right. Yeah, for sure. So now we're going to, uh, we got to go into the, the grit, the real dirty stuff here, but I want to hear a really cool story of a startup or business that you were part of something that you want to leave as an awesome story that came from nothing to something big that was really exciting that you think that if someone heard, they're going to be like, that's amazing. Oh God. Um, because I always love an amazing story. So I'm kind of like, I got to find an amazing story. Could be your first investment. It could be your first company. It could be anything. Um, there's, there's a few that I think of and, and I, I, my tendency is always go to the ones that didn't work. Um, I, you know what? I probably, I, I'll, I'll tell a story that, that, um, that is a bit more sciencey um, because I'm, I'm intrigued by science and I'm always intrigued by, you know, kind of the, if, if, if you're not sure about something, keep, digging at it and keep looking for it. Like, so one of the things about this product, this, uh, this activated white, which I'm still very passionate about, um, the, the polymer resin um, is, is made in a, in a not a very common way. So it's, it's, it's very hard to reverse engineer. And um, we had a challenge. So the mine said, look, we've tested your stuff. We love it. We think it's great. It absorbs 70 times its weight in oil. Um, but when you put it into these pads, we're, we're detecting a little bit of a, of a gas that we can't have underground. It falls above a certain level. And, um, and I'm like, Oh God. So we, we were taken aback. We, our team, we had at the time we had six people. We were, we were floored. We're like, this is it. We're done. You know, we, this, we had really put a good year's work and effort into this. And, and something in me kind of said, yeah, doesn't, something's not right. It doesn't make sense. And, um, and so I'm carrying this stuff and we actually bought our own detector because we didn't believe it. Right. I, I won't get into too much of the details, but I'm at the clinic and I'm at the medical clinic and I brought this stuff in my office and sure enough, it's reading that it's high. Right. I'm like, damn it. You know, it's like, maybe we are done. So I'm carrying this thing. I'm walking down the hall away from the office that has the activated white in it. And I pass by this room and all of a sudden it goes ballistic. Like it's way off the charts. And I'm like, well, we don't have this gas in our, in our clinic. What, what's going on? You know what I mean? So in the process of kind of walking by this room and honing in with this little detector, uh, it turns out the isopropyl alcohol, the rubbing alcohol we use in procedures was firing off this detector. So I'm like, well, that's weird. So I, and, and so I had remembered we had done some testing on this stuff and this gas was actually found as a, as a small uh, measure of this stuff. So anyway, bottom line is that, um, the, the, the detector cross references about three different gases and this other gas was one of them and it's not harmful. Right. So just by luck, right. We're walking down the hall and I happen to be at the clinic walking with this detector. The number of things that had to go right or wrong to actually have that problem solved and, and have the company not fold up and, and go home was like one in a million, you know what I mean? So it's like, I guess what I'm saying is like, even in the most desperate hours, like you can't give up as an entrepreneur. You, you got to keep going because you never know where something's going to turn right, right? Even when three or four things might be going wrong. So, so it's not like, a, a, you know, I could tell you other stories about beginning and end, but it's just that one sticks out in my mind that's like, 
I, and I'm an eternal optimist. Like I will, I will find that one little sliver of, 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 of light in a very, very dark room. And I was ready to pack it in. And it's just like, wow, you know, like, okay, thanks for kicking me in the ass and reminding me what, what it's about to be a, an entrepreneur. That's amazing. And, and I, uh, I, I think a, a lot of entrepreneurs probably have that, as you call it, the aha moment, but it's that last minute, I'm on the brink of destruction, I've had enough, I can't do it, I can't solve it, turn a corner, and you can go left and fail, or you can go right, and you just make that right turn, and all of a sudden, bam, it's right in front of your face, and if you're not open-minded to see it, it's going to pass you by. And it obviously looked like you were pretty open-minded to it and you started to ask questions. Wait a sec, this shouldn't be doing this or why did this happen? That's right. And then boom, you, you came up with a, a great story. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And that's why that grit, you know, that, that tenacity, don't give up because those kind of things happen all the time. Like the number of times I'm sure you, you, you've met the number of entrepreneurs that are right at the, their wits end. They've got nothing left. They're working on fumes. They, they're eating crap dinner and, and sure enough, something happens. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I always say it's like, it's, uh, it's, it's not, um, being an entrepreneur is a bit of a curse, right? It's, 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 it's great. You're passionate about stuff, but got to be so much easier just to, just to know that you want to be a, you know, uh, uh, an optician and just do that. Right. It'd be so much easier. So, yeah. or whatever, whatever, you know, you're like, if I just took this job, I'd have vacation like everybody else. I do all these things. And you're like, no, I did do that, and I didn't do it then either. What the hell? That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you're, then you're looking for, uh, you know, that, that story of the, the fisherman who's sitting by the boat, right? And he, the, the businessman comes by and says, uh, hey, why don't you, like, take on five more boats? And at the end, you know, it's, the story goes where he, he says, well, then what I would do? Well, then you'd have enough money to just sit around the boat and, and relax all day. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm already doing that. Why would I, you know, so it, it is, it does seem kind of like a, a, a fruitless uh, endeavor, but it's, it's what, it's what drives us. So yeah. exactly. That's the excitement. All right. So last kind of question we're going to sure. jump into is the crystal ball. So uh, where do you see the next 12 months in the environment that we're currently in? Where do you think is going to be the most investable areas, places that you're looking into? And then where do you see all of this netting out in three years? What's interesting to me is this cryptocurrencies. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. Um, you know, these precious metals, are something that I keep looking at and saying, you know, with, with a fiat currency inflating and a limited amount of silver and gold out there, I'm just using those two as an example, those prices should be going up. Uh, they're not. Um, so on, on a financial side, I do see some risks in terms of the, the, uh, the amount of liquidity that's been put into the markets. So there's, the, there's that risk. But at the same time, so if you're going to allocate those, those finances to certain things, like healthcare is huge. It's seeing its heyday now with respect to a lot of these technologies that are coming in. Biotech, um, um, you know, biologics are huge. Um, understanding of the human body uh, to a level that's never been known before. Like, look at look at these vaccines, right? They're talking about 124 uh, candidates for the COVID vaccine within, you know, a, a, a time frame that was unheard of before. And it's because a lot of these, these AI technologies and stuff like that, that allows you to do protein mapping and things like that. So that's, that's wide open. That's, that's huge. Um, I see healthcare being uh, a good one. So you gotta be um, uh, really smart in that one. Cause there's lots of opportunities. Um, the, the, the cryptos I stay away from cause I don't quite understand them. Um, 
what else? Um, energy is going to be huge, uh, solar and, and wind, but also some of these new low energy nuclear reaction type things where we're starting to get a better understanding of, of um, well, Pons and Fleischmann was, you know, a while ago and, and, you know, they were, they were, they were kind of discredited in a sense, but there's been a, a, a slow trickle of companies and people that have been still working with it and are finding some pretty cool, um, uh, you know, not over parity, but kind of energy generating kind of cool things. So I find that interesting. That's, that's more the three to five year uh, route. Um, stay the course, just keep, keep watching. There's really cool technologies out there. There's really cool companies, um, you know, uh, SAS and, and its services with um, distance uh, applications of business now. Uh, those are really, really cool. There's going to be huge growth in those. Um, so I'm watching those as well. Um, yeah, so I don't know, that's a little smell I could probably talk about for, for a while, but those are, those are things that I'm watching um, with a, a pinch of caution, knowing that the economy could turn quickly. I never try and time it, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm cognizant of the fact that we are overspending and uh, I'm a bit concerned about that. Yeah, that's a good point. There, there, uh, we talked about it earlier on. There is a bit of uh, who knows what's going on, but I'm just going to spend my way through it. So hopefully uh, people are prepared for that. But I do really agree that the biotech, healthcare, and, and energy sectors, they're, they're really, I wouldn't say they're ripe for breaking open because they've already been uh, picked apart and lots happening in them, but it just continues to get better and better every day. So I think that that's uh, certainly a space for people to look into. So uh, I love that. That's great. What, what, just out of curiosity, I'll ask you the question back. Like, what, what do you see uh, as, you know, maybe... Two, zone, two areas that you're looking at that might not be those ones. Is there anything that you're, you're watching? You know, what's interesting is that uh, when we created Open People Network, it was because I found that everybody was trying to build the same things and that there was never any collaboration and it was tough to get into these other sectors. So uh, biotechs and uh, agritech, like there was all of these areas that weren't really being opened up and now every area seems to be, but I'm still getting surprised by areas that you've never even heard of that people are coming up with startups. And those are the ones that interest me because uh, it's different. I don't need another restaurant app. I don't need another um, sales force. Like everybody's now coming in to compete against the big players, which is fine. It still can be a business that can still make money and they can still get picked up but there's so many areas that have not even been explored yet. And it's because you don't have somebody that has 10 year, 20 year tenure in these places that are thinking like an entrepreneur. And I think that as we start to get out into the field and we start to talk about this more and we have uh, larger conferences and we're saying to people, Hey, you got to think outside the box. You really got to start thinking. Um, and I say this to when I'm teaching a class, I'll say to um, uh, the students, I'll say, you know, like one of the things that we do is, this was years ago that would happen. But when you looked at Loblaws, it's a big, massive ship. But inside of it are small businesses running under one umbrella. And those businesses aren't all running efficiently or effectively. So you could pull one out and rebuild it. So what if we create a delivery system and it would be pickup at store? It doesn't happen, but I'm in a condo building and I'm gonna flyer the hell out of this. And I'm gonna tell everybody that I'm gonna do all their groceries and I'm gonna bring them in on a truck and drop them off and put it in their place. And that's how I'm going to start my business. And by the time I'm done in three years, I'm going to have every condo in the next 25 kilometers and I'm going to be doing everybody's groceries. Well, Loblaws is going to say, we don't have that. 
So they're going to want to buy you because they have a small portion and they're delivering sporadically all over, but they don't have the impact that you do. So you have to try to train your mind to say that I've got something and I can rip out a part. But as an entrepreneur, I don't always think like that because if you're not one, you're just thinking business every day. I do X, Y, Z and I'm done. Well, right. how about you think about that little problem that you think is nothing you just solved might be a little problem for everybody. Right. And if you're in um, biomechanics or you're as a physician, that little thing, you may not think of just a little snip. And if you had this built onto those um, clampers, you could have changed the world, but you don't think of it because you just made a little duct tape change. Well, that actually could have been the most innovation change that surgeons, surgeons needed. But because your brain isn't trained to think that way, you oversee a million opportunities. And I think the world just needs to take a step back, ask more questions and start to think more of what little thing that I just do differently today could I turn into a business? And I think you're going to see a lot more people starting to do that. And there's a great podcast that was done by, um, uh, oh my God, on the spot. Now I'm going to forget the name, but basically they say that the whole world uh, people have been creating problems and during COVID they'll spend more time sitting at home solving little problems that they've been doing forever. They'll build some duct tape mechanism and they'll never turn it into anything outside of that, but that could be a billion dollar product. And then they go in and they say, you know, the first mountain bike, they, they didn't just start building mountain bikes. It was a bike. And somebody said in BC, this isn't working right. So he created the bike and he said, man, this is terrible. And he put some shocks on it and then he changed the seat. And then all of a sudden people are like, I want one of those. And they were like, what, what do you want, man? This is just a hack job. And they're like, no, man, that is a sick bike. And then they built the mountain bike. So it's in your mind, it's saying, how do I question what I'm doing and turn it into something better? Yeah. And a lot of the time people just don't have the equipment to do it. And how do we get people more equipped to think that way? That's fascinating. And it's, and it's how do we, when they don't have the, um, the ability to do it themselves, right? So, for example, there's a really cool little, I never invested in it, but it was this, this lady who used to do work in gardens all the time and uh, used to clip buds and do different things. She always had these, these things on her fingers. So she actually developed these little things you put on your fingers and it just clips. And it's such a simple little thing. Um, and, and it did well. Like, she's, she's doing really, really well. Obviously, getting some copycats now and stuff like that. But it, it, you're right. And, and so... Is there a way that a company like OPN, because there's, there's, the, there's the ideas, but then the people, right? And sometimes you've got a great idea, but the wrong person. So it's, I don't know if there's going to be a technology that, that bridges that gap where it's like, okay, you've got a great idea, but you know what? You're going to have to do this to let that idea go because you're just not the right person. So uh, that's fascinating. I, I, I hear you. So, and, and that's been happening all the time, right? It's just, now that people have time and are perhaps jobless, they might be able to capitalize on those things. I like it. Yeah, big time. And it, it does happen more because, it, and you know, and it could be just a job you've been doing for 20 years and you didn't realize that the efficiency you built into that job role yep. could actually change the role for thousands of people around the world because you don't look at it that way. You just looked at it that you were doing a job. Yep. And, uh, you know, you say to the students, like you're working in retail and you'll say that someone returned a clothing item, you took it back and you threw it back here. And I was like, and they would say, oh, I hate my job. And I said, well, why do you hate your job? Well, because all I do is take a return, throw it in a bucket and I leave and I just don't like this. I said, well, why don't you think of ways to be innovative? Like find something that makes it more efficient. 
well, what do you mean? Well, I said, well, maybe you can scan the tag and maybe you can do this and maybe build this in. And then their brain starts thinking, yeah, I never thought of that. Well, it's because you're taking everything as a job and yep. you're not taking it as how can I innovate this job and make it better? And how can I make it speedy, faster, and maybe that'll make more money for someone. And that was my whole mindset. Every job I went into, I would always go in and question it. I'd be like, well, why am I doing it this way? Let's do it this way. Yeah. And they would all get mad at me. Don't change process. This is wrong. And I'd be like, no, but what you're doing is ass backwards. Yeah. Don't make there's, there, there, there's, there's a theory that uh, entrepreneurs are slightly lazy too. So they're always looking to cut corners and figure out better ways, right? Yeah. So uh, I, 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 would, I would concur and, and I feel that every day as well. Like there's got to be a better way. And uh, it's probably one of the reasons I, I don't do medicine all the time because it is probably one of the most inefficient things I've ever been part of. Yeah. Uh, so, but you're exactly right. And, and uh, finding those better ways and questioning is, is key. So coming back to the thing we said earlier is question, question, question. Never, never stop being curious. Never stop asking questions. No, not at all. And, and uh, I 100%, 1,000% agree to that, man. And I, I consume probably, I don't even know, 8 to 12, 15 hours of content a day. I just cannot handle not taking in content to learn because if I'm going to help a startup, I got to know every angle somehow, somewhere. And I question everything. And I question the startup. I don't care what they have to say. I'm like, this is how you think it's going to work? What about this, 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 and this? And they're just like, shit. And because my brain just runs so fast and it just can't handle inefficiencies. I want to do something once right. Yeah. Not yeah. seven yeah. times. Yeah. So I, I think in time, uh, people are going to start to think that there's a, there's a more effective way to do something. But it always happens when they're enthralled in something. But how do you do it so that it just happens to make sense everywhere I am? Why am I stopping at this light when there's no cars miles away? Why can't I just flow through? The system should know this. And you start to question it. And maybe you say, you know what? I could build a sensor that would actually work with, I did put this together, a license plate. We all have license plates. You put a unique identifier and it connects to the lights. Now that traps all the information. So as I'm driving, it's notifying the street all the way up a mile away, knows where I'm going based on my app. And it's already telling me that there's only four cars coming. The light changes to accommodate me going through. Now you've got throughput for traffic. All of this is done because you've got a tag on your license plate. Boom. We all have them. Every car has one all around the world. And now you've got a way to control and manage traffic flow. So it's really just questioning everything that's running and saying, I can make this work so much easier if I did X or I went in and now you got the egos you got to fight against, but at the end of the day, yeah. you can still create something and move forward. So hundred percent. Anyways, wow. Dennis, that was awesome, man. Uh, I know no you get to really dive into stuff and talk, but this is brilliant. I love it. Awesome. Conversation. We should just do this every week in a podcast. I, I love it. I love it. We'll just uh, make sure we have a beer or something with this. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Jeff, thank you again. And uh, I, I do look forward to, uh, to chatting with you more on some of these other things as well. Um, you know, that I, I really, regardless of what happens with Time Hero, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's all of this, this thing, right? Because you know stuff about the stuff you've invested in. And so it comes across sometimes cheesy because you mention it because it's like, it's, it's like you're just mentioning it because you're invested. No, I'm, I'm mentioning it because I really do think it's really cool, right? Yep. So, uh, so I, I, I do want to sit in on that meeting and, and just get your feedback on that because, you know, when, when, I, when you see inefficiencies, one of the things, for example, the reason I, I really liked it and the reason I invested in it originally was um, I came back, I lived in the British Virgin Islands for four years uh, from 2010 to 2014. 
I just sold my clinic, sold my house, my kids and everything. We just, we just took off and, and just said, let's just, you know, let's have a, you know, a midlife retirement. And, uh, and so we did. Uh, we went there, had a great time. My brother lives there. He's a, he's a chartered accountant and acts as a director for offshore uh, companies. Um, and so his kids are the same age as my kids. They went to school together. It was fantastic. But I, I went and uh, when I got back, you know, I expected that Scotiabank, who I was with, would be, you know, I, my visa had expired. And I just like kind of said, okay, well, you know, can you tech, emailed my, my, my banker and said, can you, can you send me a new visa? And I didn't get a response thinking, you know, that's, that's weird. But anyway, you know, a month went by and I'm like, I got bills to pay. My visa's expired. What's going on? So I fire off another email, no response. And uh, long story short, you know, three months later, come the patient guy, no visa. They keep saying it's been sent. They had the wrong address. But the guy had been, had, had left Scotiabank about eight months earlier. And there was no process at Scotiabank to basically send an email out to all their clients to say, this is your new person or, you know, a transfer of, of clients to this new. And I'm like, a, a bank, Scotiabank, these processes should be built in from day one. So yep. because I was so angry, I switched. I, and to this day, I'm with TD. They lost a really good customer because they didn't have good processes, right? And the guy that was my banker ended up moving to a different department. And I was back doing what it was before. And he's like, John, I'd love to have you back. I'm like, dude, like I, now I'm committed and this, you know, and, and this kind of stuff. But it, it, Time Hero and the software is effectively just that. It's like, you know, there's a triggering event. Somebody moves. The next event is... All, all, everyone that's in this client list gets emailed a thing. It's part of the process, right? New customer, new, new person takes his place. The first job is email all his clients and say, you're the person. Then there's a touch point a month later, say, I haven't heard from you. You know, I'm the new person. I just want to make sure you got the email. And so these things become embedded within your organization. Repeating processes are done all the time in every company and there is no process. There's no guy tapping on the back of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Time Hero is that tool. It allows you to take it and tweak the processes over time. So if something's no longer working for you, you can now say, change the 14th step, which is, you know, give him a, make sure he's got a, a mouse pad on his new desk for a new, new hire uh, to no mouse pad because we don't use mice anymore. Whatever you, whatever you want to tweak the, the process for, or SOPs, for example, uh, you can do that now on the fly. Like a lot of these companies have these binders of SOPs on how things should be done. Nobody ever reads them. Um, and new employees read them maybe and look at them. But it's like anytime that there's a change, you're supposed to take the sheet out, put the new SOP in there, new, the new process, get everybody to sign it that they understand it and put it in. But that can be brought to life where it's like you wake up in the morning, you go to work, and here's your five things you got to do today according to what your SOPs say. And if there's a change, the, the fourth one changed and you didn't even realize it. You're just doing it. So it's really cool. No, I love that. Actually, we have a product called Scramble. Yeah. And uh, we filed patent for it, I don't know, three years ago. It's been the longest uh, patent filing in the world. Uh, they haven't approved it yet. Now COVID's even set it out even longer. So maybe it was four years we filed and it's been three years sitting there waiting. We have a provisional, but we don't have the full patent. Right we did is it's uh, what scramble is and it really would fit nicely with time hero is uh, it matches security and communication. So what we do is we sit on a server side and any sort of email that comes in through the company, we analyze the email and decide where it needs to go. So say someone was sending you an email and it said, um, 
Uh, hey, Tom, uh, I'm looking to redo this sales thing. I need to close a deal for 100000 But he sent it to you and uh, didn't realize that it was going to the wrong person or whatever it might be. It would actually redirect it to the proper person to take care of that. Um, it would go through all of your emails and tell you what's the most important email in the entire company. So we have a dashboard and it will tell you, you can watch the entire company, your whole company, you have a thousand people and it'll list the number one email in that company and what it's doing. We can oh. tell you who everybody works for, who everybody should work for, because based on how many emails are being flown through, uh, we've created meta tag uh, data against all the emails. So when you sent it, who you sent it, why it was sent, what was the most important person on that email. And we take all that data using AI and all the other information that we pull up for emails. And then we can actually sort your email. It's like a, a mailroom on steroids. And we figure out where everything's going. And we can tell you if someone's stealing shit from your company, um, taking data from your company, moving it, stealing clients, everything. It monitors the entirety of the company through email. That's very cool. And uh, I, I'm, I'm curious. So who built the AI engine in that? Because that's powerful. Yeah, so we, we were working on it for about a year and a half, filed patents, and then they kept delaying the patent, delaying the patent, delaying the patent. We were like, look, man, Google is already coming out with a lot of this stuff where they have reminders and stuff. And now in the last two years, Google hasn't come out with anything. And we were like, well, what the hell? It's all stopped. So we kind of decided, well, if we keep building this, we're going to have this big engine, big, powerful everything. And then Google is going to get awarded the patent and then we're screwed. So we decided we would put a hold on it until they approve the patent and we're still waiting. So uh, there's another company that wants to use the uh, license to tech from us so that they can um, tell you where your employees should be sitting in the office so that they're more effective. And oh. we can tell you all that based on all the communication. Uh, we can also take an email message that you got and say it was, I'm gonna be late for this meeting by five minutes. We can convert that to a text message and it'll text you right away. So it doesn't even have to come as an email. So we've yeah. got all this stuff built in, but we have to wait until the damn patent comes through. So, yeah. Well, there's that. Interesting. And it updates calendars. It will check your meeting and a calendar and tell you that, hey, you're emailing this person and you're trying to get a hold of them, but this person's in a meeting. We're going to send it to this person because they're sitting at their desk right now because they just sent an email. So they'll be able to respond to you quicker. Yeah. Have you had anybody uh, query your patent? Like, in other words, has it gone out to uh, to kind of people that like? So it's it's in it's in provisional. Yeah. So so presumably it is available. People can read it. Yeah, you can read it. Yeah, it's, it's the only reason why I'm telling you about it because I'm like, yeah, I'll share it. But it's, well, it's just it's just that it's like and and because during that time that it's in provision, if people have problems with it, they can query the the patent office and say, no, I. I have a problem with this because my patent is, 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 is taking it up. Um, but nobody's, nobody's challenged it at all. Eh? No. Mm. So that's interesting. And you know, the, the other challenge, cause the thing is you, you could go out and sell it, but that takes time and energy. Right. So it's like yeah, we just shelved everything and we just been waiting. So uh, I kind of, the reason why we came up with this is because uh, we ended up having um, uh, a bad instance with an employee and I was sitting in my car and I was so furious that someone was stealing our clients, screwing us over and they worked in my organization. So I was like, how can I fix this? And then it, everybody was like, Oh, you can't do this with email. It's, it's owned by this. I'm like, bullshit. Why Google is does it, it every day? <laughs> screwed. 
I own a company and the employees more powerful in my company than I am. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I own the data. I own the domain. I own the information. Why can I not monitor and regulate what's going through here? If there's data and they're pilfering clients and I don't know this, that's ridiculous. And they're doing it through my email, which I own. So I thought, started to think, how can we holistically change this and uh, better understand what's going on in our networks and be able to that out so that's where we started to build it out it's it still got lots of work but the the point was is that you can understand the envision of the product it's kind of like right now you have in the u.s there's um uh there was a company that was bought by google and they basically took your home cameras and front door cameras and everything and they networked them all together so that when there was a crime going on they could picture pattern this whole event that was going on oh cool where everybody was moving to and the criminals down the street here. They just broke into this house. They did this, they did that. And all you had to do is say that you would allow your camera to have access to that photo during this window time. And if someone was in that area, they could scope and take that picture. So obviously tech, right? And it's in the same thing you're doing with this email pattern. I wanted to be able to build a case. So if someone did X, Y, and Z, it would auto generate a case. And now I could take that to HR and say, this person is not doing shit. Salesperson, they've sent two emails in two weeks, fire that person. Like it would be enough information that it would allow you to build a case without having to worry about legal. Yeah. And Love it. So it would, it would actually work very well with time Hero because, um, yeah, you, you know, are you getting it? Are you doing a demo tomorrow? I uh, well, uh, no, we, I will try time Hero and I'll check that out. But on just, our end, we have just get a demo, do, do half an hour demo because you'll wrap your head around how they fit together. And it, it, it's exactly what you're saying. It's like knowing, what your employees are doing and, and when, but be, not to the level of email. Like that's, that's a whole other level. That's uh, I'm, I'm impressed. That's very, very cool. Yeah. Is it a, is it a product? Like, is it, yeah, it's an actual system. We built it on Gmail. Uh, we were going to build it on outlook. We just haven't got yeah. that and stopped it, but it was built in because we run our businesses off of Gmail backend. Oh. So that's why we tied it into that. So, and again, and we've just been sitting on it. So we're, I think that there's, obviously a lot of value and merit to it, but it's now deciding what can we do with it? Should we do anything with it? And this other company, when they pitched me, I was like, shit, you guys should use this and tie it in your business. So it might become something to that effect, or maybe I got to hire a bunch of new people to come in and really rip through the. It's funny. It's funny because, you know, as we get older, some of these things that we have ideas around, you know, because when you're young, you're like, I've got all the time in the world to do this stuff, man. I'm going to dive into this. And you're just like, and then, and then now you're kind of like, well, I got these three other ideas, like uh, that, like I got one for medicine that I've been playing with forever. It's vaccine management monitoring. Nobody's doing it. So it's like, uh, you know, so you keep, and you're like, ah, I did, I did uh, 25% of it. Do I finish it? Do I not? And it's, it's hard to let stuff go sometimes, you know? It is, but I would sell this in a second or I would let the patent go or whatever someone else could do something with it. Yeah. Well, that's just shit that I've done and uh, yeah. lots of stuff that I can work with and, uh, like the list is ridiculous. I've got thousands of startup businesses I could build, but I can't build them. So that's why when I'm working with a startup and they're telling me their ideas, I'm like, Oh, I love that. You could also put this in there. And they're yeah. like, why? I'm like, well, because I thought of that 10 years ago. So if you had this, here you go. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah uh, do, do you still have, are you still involved with Loblaws at all? Do you keep in touch with them? Uh, a few people. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm not the, the best relationship manager, if you will. So, yeah. uh, probably should but there's a couple people that over the years they actually yeah. come and watch our stuff there were some lobwise guys on one of our uh, 
uh, podcast a couple weeks ago and stuff. So it, it is the, we still kind of follow each other here and there. So it's still kind of cool. So yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. All right, good chatting. What what are you doing now? You going home and having another beer? Yeah, well, I'm I'm here now. Actually, we can see this. Uh, oh, you're home now. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna show you this uh, just quickly. You'll see this. Let me just shrink the screens down but you were asking about the books <laughs> so yes my stand is made up of books very cool yeah so the uh lean startup blue oceans rework yeah some cool stuff there so blue oceans i like that one yeah just pop, popping up out of the blue yeah lean lean thinking yeah a, these are all books i've read in the past and i was trying to find a way to stack my laptop up higher <laughs> and so i pulled them out of the door but that's crazy. We actually had a guy who wrote a book on Lean as, uh, as our COO of Activated White. And uh, uh, I can't tell you, man, how frustrating it is. That C the guy who invented it, he always thinks that's a billion-dollar idea. So we've had people that have wanted to license it. And he turns around and he goes, okay, 80-20. I'm like, oh, that sounds, maybe we can whittle it down to 85-15. You know, and uh, he's like, no, 80 for us, eh? I'm like, in what world does, does a core product get 80% of, like, they're, they're not going to do the work to market, sell, you know, all that kind of stuff for 20%. You're, you're insane. I can't even, I can't even begin. It's happened three times. So I'm just like, I'm done. I, I'm done. So it's just sitting there. Yeah, my well, frustration. Man, it'll happen soon. I know. All right, Jeff. Good chatting. Likewise, man. Have a great day. Thank you. you too. Cheers. Yeah.